1: Hello and welcome to a new episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Sher Ali Tareen. For each new episode, we choose an important new book in the field of Islamic Studies and we chat with its author. Armando Salvatore's formidable new book, Sociology of Islam Knowledge, Power, Civility, is a dense yet. Hello and welcome to a new episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Sher Ali Tareen. For each new episode, we choose an important new book in the field of Islamic studies, and we chat with its author. Armando Salvatore's formidable new book, Sociology of Islam, Knowledge, Power, Civility, is a dense yet delightful meditation on the concept of the sociology of Islam. Building on the work of the towering Marshall Hodgson, this book combines intellectual, social, and institutional history with remarkable nimbleness. Among the signature contributions of this book is the theorization of Islamic conceptualizations and articulations of civility in a manner that helped provincialize Eurocentric understandings of this concept. Salvatore also traces ways in which pre-modern Islamic articulations of civility transformed in the conditions of colonial modernity. Sure to spark debate, this book will also enliven upper-level undergraduate and graduate seminars in the study of religion and Islam. Here now is my conversation with Professor Armando Salvatore. Hello Armando, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine, thank you so much. Uh,
1: Well Armando, pleasure reading this book and learning uh, from your work and thank you for all the great work that you've done uh, in the last couple of decades or so. Armando, we have a tradition of new books in Islamic studies uh, that our first question is biographical. Uh, could yeah. you share with our listeners, how did you become a scholar of Islam and Muslim societies?
0: Oh yeah, I mean this is um, something that uh, requires very little explanation in principle <laughs> because I uh, I come from the south of Italy and um, I mean, we are considered by our fellow northern Italians as being Middle Eastern, basically. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm interested in uh, something that is uh, part of some kind of shared Mediterranean heritage, and uh, I became interested uh, um, in uh, this um, type of uh, Islamic heritage also through the events um, of the mid-late 70s. This is when I was a teenager, and then I was uh, uh, looking with... um, uh, attention and even passion at uh, what was happening in Egypt, in Iran. I mean, with the uh, revolution there, and also following what the um, Italian progressive intellectuals at the time said about that, I and mean, then they were struggling to find. The right way to interpret what was going on I and mean, a revolution and Islamic terms and then what about you know the um, the stability of the Middle East and it's completely opposite concerns were intersecting each other you know one which was. Uh, uh, centered on uh, our interests as West, you know, and then the stabilization of the Middle East and so on and so forth, and then the oil crisis and the question of, uh, of our welfare. And on the other hand, the, the much more universalistic idea of, uh, of, of social and political change. And then I was also reading as a, as a, as a, as a teenager the um, uh, articles of Foucault on the Italian newspapers, uh, Corriere della Sera, in 1978 and in 1979. It was sent to... to to Teheran to cover what was going on and uh, uh, that was really impressive because as as, as we know he used some categories like uh, the spirit of the revolution has moved east from the west so this was basically uh, uh, home ground for me I didn't need to some kind of uh, exotic uh, projection I mean to get interested in in Islam just at some point I was so uh, overwhelmed by all these things that when I had to decide what to study at the university, and uh, I, I wanted to say something which was related to, to the uh, non-Europe, non-West, but uh, I was almost tempted to forget about all this and uh, start studying Japanese. You know? <laughs> but then I, I decided to focus on, uh, on, on uh, Islamic and Middle East studies and to study Arabic instead.
1: So Armando, I was wondering uh, if you could uh, briefly state for our listeners, what is the main argument uh, that you try to make in this book?
0: see yes i mean i i think that there is um maybe one major concern more than argument because this is a kind of introductory to the force um and uh, so that there are several arguments maybe there is one central concern which of course is um unfolding through several arguments and the central concern is that when we, we study islam which means also you know the other dimensions like the Islamicate civilization or civility or Islamdom to use the um, famous um, uh, word coined by by Marshall Hodgson. We we are not studying something that needs to be interpreted by squeezing it into the category of. Uh, um, of mainstream uh, western centered uh, social science and social theory we are studying something that actually should teach us <laughs> about how to build up categories and and so islam is not just uh, islam as an object islam is a as a strong heuristic function i mean it should be an object of research which at the same time becomes central to the concerns of uh of scholarship uh, in the humanities and social sciences. And sociology, in particular, has a task there because uh, sociology is probably the main, main provider of, of, of concepts and categories, also to the other social sciences and the humanities, uh, including history.
1: One of the major concepts in this book, which also forms the title of this book, is the sociology of Islam. I mean, you spend a lot of time really meditating rather profoundly on this concept and this idea and the genealogy of this concept. So could you give us some highlights i know uh, this will require sort of redistilling really a very extensive conversation in your book but could you give us a sense of how you approach this category the sociology of islam in this work
0: yes it's something that i um, already uh, just uh, try to um, to justify i mean the fact that there is a shift basically uh, in terms of centrality uh, from from the west towards uh, this uh, absolutely major and central civilization of, uh, of what the West has constructed as the West, as the West as the Urine, which is Islam. So th- this is the main way I'm approaching uh, the term sociolo- sociology of Islam. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, there is also the need, uh, and this is also something that I tried to do at the beginning, in the, in the, in the preface and the introduction, to, to make a history, brief history of, uh, of this label, of this field. Uh, And uh, it's not by chance that I'm I'm emphasizing some uh, dimensions uh, of the history of the sociology of Islam rather than others because there is an entire French tradition of the sociology of Islam that I'm really bracketing out and I'm culpable for that. Of course, one always needs to be selected and I'm emphasizing uh, another um, trajectory which actually uh, brings us um, back to one Known French founder of the sociology with Max Weber, and and this this particular trajectory unfolds through the work, especially of Brian Turner and Georg Staud uh, which they started. I mean, in the seventies. I mean, the first author is, is more is better known than the other, but they also worked together. And one of their major uh, joint work was uh, was a book on Nietzsche called Nietzsche's Dance, which is actually, in spite of the title, which very much focuses on Nietzsche, also a way to understand what by the origins uh, of, of uh, central European social theory and, and social sciences, and the influence of Nietzsche and Weber, and uh, this is extremely important because uh, it really focuses on the more on the on the kind of pain uh, that uh, is at the center of the production of all those categories that once they are kind of. Shade you know they uh, reach us in a in a very uh, kind of uh, uh, sterile form for example the category of charisma but also uh, other Bavarian ideas like uh, patrimonialism, you know, and, 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 and there is a palpitating suffering of, of Central Europe in a very specific age, which, which is the beginning of the 20th century with all it, its turbulences, the world wars and what happened uh, with Europe at the, as the epicenter of this global drama. So basically, the, the approach to, to the idea of the of Islam is through this uh, very um, turbulent, uh, uh, laboratory of production of ideas and categories and, uh, and, 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 and this uh, um, operationalization of those categories and, um, and the shift of attention towards Islam as a p- potential object of this, uh, um, for the uh, uh, employment of this category. This happens not by chance when Islam takes the center scene of this 20th century drama in the 1970s with the so-called resurgence of Islam and then the associated events of the oil crisis. So it really gets into the, uh, it uh, reaches the central stage of the attention of the West. So there is a there is 20th century drama that, Justifies uh, approaching the sociology of Islam as a one, one extremely central branch of the, of the social sciences in, in general and not just as a, as a way to apply uh, established categories of the sociology of religion or the sociology of culture or political sociology to Islam and Islamic civilizations and most in majority societies. Because there is this kind of, uh, uh, flattening out of this idea of the sociology of Islam nowadays. There is the risk that we trivialize this idea in this field, have just considered the sociology of Islam as a, as a potentially non-Orientalist study of Muslim-majority societies, but this is not what the sociology of Islam has been throughout the 20th century.
1: Now, one scholar who really haunts the pages of this book and that you discuss uh, repeatedly in the context of this book, and you clearly are indebted uh, to his scholarship, is, of course, the great uh, Marshall Hodson. Armando, could you reflect a bit on how this book builds on, but also perhaps differs from, uh, the work and the legacy of Marshall Hudson in
0: this regard. Uh, Marshall Hudson uh, is, according to uh, to one leading scholar i just mentioned, the sociologist Brian Turner. I mean, the the real pioneer of the sociology of Islam, in spite of being himself an historian. As we all know, he passed away prematurely, and he had some kind of parallel biography even with uh, Bernard Lewis. I mean, and he passed away. I think Bernard Lewis, if I'm correct, is still alive, and, and the. Both got interested as young scholars in, in the same teams. I think both studied in the Ashishi and the Assassins, the Ismaili sect. And they had also similar categories. Um, but Marshall Huston was the one who got interested in, uh, in uh, some kind of sociological classics like Weber. He was also influenced by Idiot Shields, one major sociologist of his time. And, and he was the head of the. Um, comedian social thought uh, in the University of Chicago. Social thought is a kind of social science that is nourished also by very kind of what I call also this very suffered um, sociological category. It was influenced, I mean, one of the among the political theories were part of this very important circle, which was also a graduate school in Chicago where people like Hannah Arendt, Mark Lilla and others, and a lot of other authors as well. I mean, um, so Bello, T. C. Eliot. So there is a, a very dense intellectual field uh, kind of gravitating around Marshall Hodgson uh, that uh, makes uh, his work uh, almost by default uh, sociologically interesting. And, and, and then there has been a revival in recent years um, uh, of attention towards Hodgson. Um, for example, a very influential article by Bruce Lawrence in the uh, Los Angeles re- uh, Review of uh, Books uh, two three years ago and by side emir joman in the encyclopedia Anika, and also panels at professional associations meetings like uh, mesa and walkmas uh, dedicated to hodgson and um, uh, the difference is that uh, as in the very early criticism of brian turner towards marshall hodgson when in the mid 70s a group of uh, at the time young scholars including turner talal asad roger owen and, 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 and Sami Zubad and others were just taking almost one one on one, where they were taking on um, uh, um, Orientalist scholars, I mean, like, uh, um, like Albert Urani or, um, or Eli and uh, Gustav von Grunenbaum, Bernard Lewis. And Marshall Hodgson was the one that uh, the young Brian Tarter had to deconstruct. It was 1975, but he, he was. Pointing out exactly what you said, there is something intrinsically sociological in what Hodgson did, but yet uh, he was um, still dichotomizing this, the, you know, the inner faith and the inner belief uh, on one hand, that the um, called conscience is also part of the title, of adventure, subtitle of adventure of Islam, and on the other hand, you know, the the, the religion which is like the routinized, the externalized part of uh, you know of uh, what we see or what we experience what uh, What is habitualized and what socializes people into, into practice, and this is this kind of dichotomization which has been widely criticized after him uh, also by anthropologists and this is something that of course we we, uh, we need to redress in order to make his heritage uh, actual and usable in the, in the present in the present context
1: now another category which is very central to your book is that of civility and one of the Most interesting and convincing things that you do in this book is that you present Islamic articulations of civility from the pre modern and the modern period to really undermine and provincialize Eurocentric understandings of this concept. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to this theme in your book of how you uh, uh, discuss Islamic articulations of civility as a way of provincializing Eurocentric. Uh, understandings and uh, ways of imagining uh, this concept of civility.
0: Yes, in this case, the major author who is um, evoked um, from this uh, central European drama of, of building up sociologists uh, in the 20th century, is so Norbert uh, Elias, or Elias if we pronounce it in English, um, who was the um, author of an extremely uh, influential um, set of uh, works centered centered around uh court culture and the civilizing process uh from uh, the top down i mean this has been uh, um, the idea that also uh, unsettled some easy paradigms about state formation as a um, political science oriented paradigm of uh, state formation and that really showed how the i mean the uh, this kind of uh, the making of the disciplined uh, self from the inside out um, um, was was really a, 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 the, the basis of the process itself of state formation, and 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 it was uh, um, centered on the on these on the uh, etiquettes uh, of, of court culture and then the manners um, of court dynamics that. that were the initiators of uh, these very wide programs of taming the violence of those who were carrying weapons. It was uh, European nobility. Um, So this is really the one, one, probably the major theme of the entire drama of the 20th century, how to to tame violence and civilize people and and make people Mm -hmm. like citizens out of uh, human beings who might just uh, want to kill each other so which is also a very major theme of political philosophy and but this really is uh, becoming uh, a very sociological theme so it's not just political philosophy and and what is what is interesting from the point of view of uh, of the islamic trajectories starting also with the how court cultures interfaced with other realm of knowledge production uh, including sufism and it is exactly that the this process is not um, a top-down process. It's a, it, it, there are different uh, and, and, and crisscrossing uh, types of influence from the top and from the bottom. You know that the the, the, the making of the uh, virtues and civilized self um, also um, can also start from the bottom. And the, uh, the way the Adab tradition, the tradition of Adab, was not just a, an exclusive preserve of the elites of the court administrators and leaders, but became also uh, central. Uh, to, uh, to the Sufi-owned program of, uh, of education of different social layers, I mean, traders and, and, and <coughs> artisans and other uh, all, all sectors of the population and just in urban settings. So it's a, civility does not just um, come from the top, it also produces from the bottom and uh, and it's also an alternative to, in a way, to lawfulness and legality, and in a way that it wasn't really in the European case, because and of course the West Western state hijacked this process of of, of civilization of building uh, the self from uh, from the inside out. Whereas in the Islamic case, there was a um, a more successful harmonization between the, uh, the the legal tools, I mean, for for, for disciplining the subjects, and then then these kind of cultural tools, and so civility is more interesting and complex in an Islamic setting than it is uh, in a European um, historical mm-hmm. setting. So, a- again, it's, way, it's a way to um, I mean, to enrich our social theory categories. It's a way to make them more complex and also more truly universal.
1: Mando, could you speak a bit about another major theme that uh, occupies much of the later part of this book, which is the transformations that happen in these pre-modern Islamic articulations of civility uh, in the modern colonial context. Uh, could you speak a bit about some of the major transformations that you map and analyze uh, in the latter half of your book?
0: Yes, this is uh, one of the uh, points that uh, have attracted uh, most attention, if I can judge from the conversations I had since the book has been published. And uh, there is also a certain level of uh, undecidedness in my own argument, exactly concerning what you said. How exactly do these uh, pre-modern renderings of civility uh, I've just talked about um, how are they transformed uh, in this new context. I mean, <clears throat> uh, well, basically, uh, based on what I just said, what the what colonial the colonial modernity was about was precisely a process or a project of uh, uh, civilizing. I mean, the non-European um, uh, populations based on the uh, uh, dictates of this uh, Westphalian form. Um, um, and, and in this case, you know, uh, there is almost the idea that uh, there is a transfer not just a transfer of ideas i mean from european from the European experience onto this uh, colonial uh, scene, but also uh, that the colonial uh, societies the colonized societies become a laboratory even for um, uh, accentuating this these disciplinary tools. That were already part of the of the state formation in Europe since the at least the 17th century. And in this case, I mean, if we follow this 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 kind of uh, narrative, we should assume that uh, uh, basically the old uh, main actors, including the elites uh, within Muslim, um, within the Islamic world, were at the mercy of this process. So they were just well, they were just on the losing side, and they had to bow to this uh, much more powerful. Um, uh, blueprint of uh, of civility, um, and with all the racial and even racist implications, of course, of this uh, of this type of uh, uh, blueprint. <clears throat> now, what is interesting is that a lot of inherited concepts, including adult, um they are uh, cl- you know, clearly uh, subject to this kind of this type of pressure, and then the book by uh, Timothy Mitchell. Colonizing Egypt uh, was was a, a, a absolutely extraordinary in showing precisely this process. So that all these uh, old uh, concepts were, were part of the uh, new intellectual machinery, but they were basically hundred percent functionalized to new um, to this whole new order of colonial modernity. Um, and clearly, also since uh, after the publication of this book, this very influential book by Dimitri, there have been some some
1: <laughs> a lot of other
0: works which have. Uh, continued to show that actually the situation was much more complex, and that the um, that there was a, as much as in the in the field of uh, legal reform, there was the possibility, for example, to to fill in a kind of uh, um, article of, uh, of a civil code, uh, which had um, you know as a heading, which was 100% taken from the from uh, I don't know from the French or the Swiss civil code. To fill it with the content which was actually taken from the tradition of jurisprudence, in a similar way, there was the possibility—I mean—to to provide uh, content. From these uh, earlier traditions of civility, even to a blueprint which was characterized by the, uh, by the uh, idea, civilizing ideas of, uh, of, uh, of the colonial powers. And in this case, you know, uh, even the adaptive tradition was revived. It took on new meanings. It was m- maybe even more strongly associated with ideas of justice than it was before. It was already, early on, uh, very close to the uh, theorem of the circle of justice. But now, and then also the notion of Bahoria, of freedom, uh, is, uh, is absorbed by this uh, by this new um, type of civility that develops in the colonial context. Um, of course, I, I actually talk too little about it, about these multiple modes of transformations that uh, that still provide uh, um, space for 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 rewriting these uh, these earlier civilizing traditions. But ultimately, I have to say, and um, and I'm saying this now because I'm, the book does not grow. That far, even chronologically, I mean, to say that is that ultimately, uh, since the uh, Westphalian nation-state form prevailed, then all these uh, older um, traditions and time-honored ideas of civility um, within Islamic civilizations were ultimately um, kind of they were like dissipating into into uh, into this new uh, political discourses. I mean, even. Secular versus Islamist, and um, so that as of today, I think the last word uh, has been probably, uh, and it's, it's not very optimistic, as a diagnosis has been rather the erasure of this older forms of stability.
1: So, Armando, as we're coming to the uh, end of our conversation, uh, could you uh, talk a bit about what you're working on uh, these days? What's uh, keeping you busy?
0: I'm trying to. Um, pick up uh, precisely this last um, political dimension of this entire process, which is, um, uh, is there the possibility, I mean, to reconceive also in the social and political theory terms the original outcome of what we might well call a civilizing process uh, spanning across different regions of the of the Islamic world, or ecumen, Um at the juncture between what hudson called the later uh, middle periods which is the correspond roughly corresponds to the uh, late middle ages and the early modernity and in terms of state formation so what were, what was the combination of the of the the civility tradition which had of course a very high status at courts on one end and then new forms of legitimation of the central powers of the early muslim empires that uh, led to original forms of uh, of political modernity before the onset of colonialism. This is what I'm interested in right
1: now. The Sociology of Islam, Knowledge, Power and Civility by Armando Salvatore, published by Wiley uh, Blackwell Press. Uh, Thank you so much, Armando, for this very erudite and uh, fascinating book uh, that uh, I think one of the key... uh, highlights and markers of this book is that not only is it a uh, scholarly book that will uh, spark many conversations but it will also be a tremendous resource for uh, upper level undergraduate and graduate seminars so in some ways it fulfills both the pedagogical mission and also the mission of raising important conversations on key themes that have to do with the sociology of Islam so thank you so much for this conversation and for this book and uh, for your time thank you very much
0: okay thank you Sharan
1: So this was my conversation with Professor Armando Salvatore on his brilliant new book, The Sociology of Islam. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And I do hope that you will also join us next time for another new episode of your favorite podcast, New Books in Islamic Studies. Until then, stay well, take care, and this is your host, Sher Ali Tareen, signing off from New Books in Islamic Studies.